welcome back to an even more croaky episode 9 of Narsole Lonely Monster, Narsole Escape Tools podcast on Spotify and across another sort of six different different platforms. Just look for Narsole Lonely Monster if you want to uh, if you want to find it. Well, actually, if you listen to this, you, you probably already have found it, so that's kind of a mute point. But either way, welcome back. As per my standard disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist, um, said properly as psychologist, I'm not a, I'm not a counsellor. Not a mental health nurse. I'm a former trauma medic with a with a bit of experience in dealing and managing a couple of narcissistic people in my life. Uh, used to be in my life, and uh, I thought I'd share my experiences to see if it resonated with anyone out there. Not not for my own bearing. Um, sometimes it's kind of cathartic, I suppose, to talk about your problems in this way, and it and it is. But it's more to see the resonance across the people listening, really to see, rather for us all to see there's correlation between every creed, colour, sex, you know, culture, ev- across the planet. If there's a narcissist abusing somebody in deepest, darkest jungles of India, I guarantee they'll be doing similar, if not the very same sort of methodology that, that we've experienced from our own narcissists. Um, and so I find that interesting and develop my answers around that I suppose and uh, yeah this is the intro did I just do a disclaimer yes I did okay so um, in this in, in this episode we're going to be looking at um, a couple of memes really just gonna read some memes out which are good um, we're gonna be looking at um, a bit more on complex post-traumatic stress um, after the experience and and then we're going to find out if we ever really knew them at all. Um, so, welcome, as I say, to episode 9, season 1, Narsold Lonely Monster, Narsold Escape Tools. Okay, let's play a jingle and crack on. But again, apologies. I, ca- I got a complaint the other day on Quora because um, in a YouTube video, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I look like rubbish. Look at my hair. And I had COVID hair. Do you know what I mean? So no one's having their hair cut. So it's just a commentary a two-second blurb, just nervousness in front of the camera. And, uh, yeah, somebody on Quora decided to rip me apart for it. Said it was rubbish, rubbish! What do I know? And I mentioned my hair! Listen, if you're listening to this, it's as per my... the header for the this whole podcast thing, I, these are just my own opinions. Like, to get angry about somebody's thoughts uh, it, it is really troubling. I welcome people's different opinions, but what I don't welcome is divisive um, narcissistic attacks, to be perfectly blunt. Um, So, in finality, these are my own opinions born from understanding, or thinking, my perceptive thinking and understanding of what I experienced when I experienced a relationship narcissist for 14 months, and that opened the door to understanding my ex-mate, if you like, ex-best friend who who I knew for 20 plus years in the military, who was, in fact, the worst kind of human out there. So, born from very much, very unhealthy experiences. Um, yeah, so that's a that's almost a four-minute intro. Uh, sorry, that sounded a bit dour, but I'm just fed up of being attacked for my own opinions and my own thoughts. Um, that I, That's what happened when I was with a narcissist, and, you know, I won't stand for it. So there. But do consider joining in the conversation. You don't have to be rude about it. You can just come on, leave a voice message, or drop a comment on Quora. Like, 
it's really odd. Like I, I've covered this before. It's when it is literally like the person walking into a newsagent's, uh, um, you know, a, a local store, and seeing an advert on the wall for guitar lessons. You know, one of those ticker tape things that you rip down the phone number. Oh, guitar lessons. Just going in there, seeing that, ripping it off the wall and screaming, but I don't want guitar lessons. Yeah, I mean, that's that if that's what you're doing out there if you're if you're reading somebody's perceptive thought, someone's perceptive opinion of their own experiences, and then telling them they're wrong. I mean, who the fudge do you think you are? That is narcissistic in itself. Um, to just dismiss it with no rhyme or reason. Just, no, you're wrong. Not constructively is what I'm getting at. Anyway, wow, I almost pushed that to five minutes. Oh, sorry, just had to get off my chest. Um, all right, well, let, let's crack on with the first uh, the first live question of this, this episode. Catch you after the jingle dingle. Okay, well, here we are. Um, This will be part three, I guess. So, here's a question. Would a narcissist tell you that you never knew them when they are discarding you? Would a narcissist tell you that you never knew them when they are discarding you? They could say anything when they're discarding you. They could could accuse you of any random acts that they decide, uh, you know, warrant them discarding you. As long as it, as long as it fits their narrative and agenda, they will, they will throw it at you. So, the you never knew them or you never knew me is well it's true isn't it you didn't because now let's let's just let's just unstitch that narcissist there so you never knew them and i'm saying you didn't and the reason i'm saying you didn't is because when you when they when they present to you it's it's it is them mirroring you it's them mirroring your best qualities that and then they love bomb validate etc etc everything at the start is very much i I think I can equate it to, um, oh, God, I did an answer on Quora about this, but I can equate it to a, an old multimillionaire, old man, you know, in his late, in his seventies, paying for a, a high-end prostitute, shall we say. So everything in that dynamic isn't necessarily real, is it? So it's a business transaction. So the high-class prostitute will rock up at the guy's, you know, multi-million complex apartment in New York City, whatever, and will pretend to be enamored with the dude because that is a construct of the business transaction, isn't it? So she's not gonna go in there, or he, she's not gonna go in there and be all, what's up, you see me naked? You know, it's all gonna be, you know, allure, seduction and charm. And, you know, this person could be a $5,000 a night prostitute. Bear with me on this, I am going somewhere. And so that, that that relational dynamic is completely fake, isn't it? So in that respect, that is very much then like the prostitute doing the business or the high-class escort spending the night with the old multimillionaire, old saggy wart, and then leaving and saying, you never knew me. Well, yeah, because the very construct and start of the relationship was completely fake and faux, which is the same with a narcissist. So another, another angle on that, you never knew them, is that I think it's highly recognised, well, it's by me it is, that a narcissist will always wear a, a different mask in every dynamic that they hold dear. So, narcissists are a bit of a... They need self-soothing, don't they? They can't manage anything. So, 
if they they can't manage anything with with an undertone of emotional intelligence, they just they just can't. It's it's not in their construct, and or rather, they do manage things with emotion, emotional, a lack of emotional intelligence. But they there's a good argument to suggest that they think that what they're doing, their responses to emotional stuff, is is normal because they've never been taught what is normal. They've never been instilled in a moral compass. They've always they were always soothed. When they were children, they were never they were never taught to in action that and enable that themselves in self-soothing as healthy children are. So you never knew them is in fact an accurate, very, very accurate statement. Because you didn't. You might have thought you did, but just think about that. If you're at the discard stage, and the question is from would it not tell you that you never knew them when they are discarding you? So if you are at the discard stage, um, and you just got to think that everything, everything you experienced at the beginning was incredibly fake. It was just another construct, another mask, another layer um, to the onion. And yeah, and that's why they can say you never knew them. Well, actually, you're getting to know them because when they are discarding you, all that, God, all that angst and anger and and prodding and poking and the fact you know we all know what a discard is like and smear campaigns for example so if they discard you they don't tend to smear campaign you because they want out they don't want to it's them going it's when you know, the discard usually comes when you're starting to see their bullshit and they've got still a, they haven't revealed enough of themselves to have to enact a smear campaign they've just you know an intuition in them is saying <laughs> They're on to me, so they need an out. And you never, you never knew me. It's just, just a tug at your heartstrings, isn't it? But actually, it's completely right. You didn't know them, and you probably never will because they will always protect those masks. If you've ever seen, in your narcissistic uh, dynamic, if you've ever seen a mask crash or narcissistic injury, as it's as it's called, or rage, that is the real them. That's them then in that moment that is who they are their core sensor when it comes to anything regarding emotional intelligence hope that helps will a narc tell you that you never knew them when they are discarding you yeah because you didn't okay moving on jingle Hello and welcome back um, after that cool jingle. So I'm going to take a quick, I've mentioned it before in an earlier episode, but complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's important that we <clears throat> not understand it as such, but just pay a little bit of homage to it and just to nod towards it when we're in, particularly when we're involved or even after the fact of being involved with a, a narcissistic person who's abused us. So. The only way I can describe this is really with a sort of a military slant, but hopefully the analogy will will stick. Okay, so PTSD, then post-traumatic stress disorder. These are blazingly uh, dumbed-down sort of my dumb my own dumbed-down version, my own dumbed-down understanding rather of you know analogic um, reasons as to why things happen, but. I just want you to imagine for a second 
um, or you might have even have been this person, but just want you to imagine, if, if not, that you were a soldier and you are working in, um, let's say, Afghanistan, <clears throat> and you're behind the line. So what that means is you're in a safe harbour. You're in a safe place, the base perhaps, your main base of operations, your forward base of operations. Um, either way, you're in a safe environment. And it's your turn as that soldier to go with your fellow soldiers out on a standard patrol, a perimeter patrol. So the big get you all suited up, weapons, armaments, you know, it's all there. The gates open, you go out and within about 30 yards of walking outside of the gate of the safe compound, um, an improvised explosive device explodes next to your squad, but no one is injured, right? So this, this could be their first time on tour, their first near miss, if you like. And that one particular soldier might turn around, look at his mates and go, bloody hell, that was, everyone all right? Everyone all right? Everyone's okay? They all check in. Everything's fine. So you think, wow, that was a near miss because it's their, you know, it's their first time. So they continue with the patrol and they get back safe a few hours later. A couple of days pass and they go out again, the very same group of men in the same platoon. They go out and this time they're in, you know, they're in a, uh, a wadi some two miles from base and uh, they, that same patrol comes under sustained enemy fire, mortars, heavy machine gun fire and they're in trouble and they're bogged down and one of their, one of their colleagues gets, gets hit. He get, takes one in the arm, say, or the leg, flesh wound, you know, he's fine, he's bleeding out but he needs help. So these guys now, they've, they've experienced an IED, they've now experienced an intense firefight. At some point, and this is where you need to delve a bit, at some point, some of their brains are going to be going, this is getting close, like, what, third time lucky? You know, that's the thing, third time lucky, am I dead on the third go? We've almost lost a guy there, we almost got all blown up. And and then these the thoughts will start to fester in their head, loss of life, they might see trauma, and it stacks. Right, so, park that. Let's say now you're a trauma medic, this is what I was, you're a trauma medic, and you go on these tours and you see your first bit of intense trauma. And that, and this is what happened to me actually, and that might stick with you for life. Um, and that one event could change your entire persona. That, if it was traumatic enough, is PTSD. One event. The guys go out, they get blown up. I go on tour, I see some major trauma and it sticks, it sticks with you. It's enough. It's enough to fa damage that fragile human mind that life is fragile and, you know, the next one, the golden BB, the next one could be for you. So, and when you see the trauma and witness it, you, you know, you damn well realise the fragility of the human body and life. So, that singular event is what, is what will contribute, or could, to post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and if I may, this, I know this is graphic and it might trigger some people, but if some, if a person was raped, for example, it was a one-off event, um, <clears throat> that, that will certainly could cause post-traumatic stress disorder. Victims of, um, victims of, uh, blah, blah, blah. violent crime, for example, one-off events, yeah. A police officer in, I don't know, California, LA, police officer in downtown LA he or she will undoubtedly see repeated trauma, gunshot wounds, car crashes, murders, rapes, children abused. They see it all. 
one recruit might see one event and come away from it and realize he will never be a policeman because it starts the causation of post-traumatic stress disorder starts so there's no what i'm saying is really there's no set defined um criteria uh or rather there is no set defined event to cause um ptsd it's down to the individual and their own their own mental health constructs if you like um one one person's ptsd triggering event might be another person's just normal day at work you know so when does it become complex so it becomes complex then in the case of the trauma medic the soldier or the police officer who will see the the first initial eyebrow raising scary event the idea outside the camp the first bit of major trauma the first murder victim in the case of the police officer and they just because of the shall we say training they've received they a lot of people can just sort of bury it for, for example my own my own ptsd actually happened 13 years after the event 13 years so the event was 2000 and the the ptsd kicked in 2013 mm. see so it's it's not in as well so that just by example it's never just going to be a case of oh i just saw or witnessed or experienced something traumatic i've now got ptsd it just sits there sits there brewing just ooh, and then then starts to come forward in nightmare scenarios maybe flashbacks memories of it and when i say memories of it when someone's got ptsd if you have or you've ever experienced this you know what i'm saying you when you dream it for example it is the event a lot of people a lot of people will argue and say well, not argue they'll, they can debate it and say well we don't always remember things exactly as they are I know that that one that one event was exactly the same repeat, repeatedly. So whether I remembered the exact event as was as it was is neither here nor there because the the, the traumatic impactful bits are what stuck and the bits in between like chatting to my colleague on the ambulance you know things like things like that might not necessarily be entirely accurate. So when does it as I say become complex? It's when it's when those things are stacked against you. They stack up. So in the form of narcissistic abuse, again, one person's one person's perceptive abuse is another person's just normal day with a dickhead husband or wife, isn't it? Or partner. Um, and that, that's the curiosity between, and that's why it can never be really that stringently defined. So the complexity then, I keep saying that, and then... then going on a tangent don't I but the complexities then let's look at the soldier the soldier goes out on the line gets blown up then the next week they get shot at and the week after that they lose a friend then the week after that they see something else and da, 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 da. so that's a stack up of different traumas and in a case of being a narcissist if you if you've experienced gaslighting gaslighting is a form of trauma control it's just part of the trauma bond that can impact you with regards to um, PTSD also, sadly and invariably, a lot of, a lot of uh, seemingly male, male, they are males, but male narcissists are also physically abusive. So, a bit rapey, perhaps. You know, so all that when you're stuck in that dynamic, and when you're in the cycle of being abused and forgiving, being abused and forgiving. That's rather you get abused, you then get love bombed, then you have to forgive them <laughs> for abusing you, unless they'll abuse you more. Now. That alone, that one sentence alone, 
surely tells us that there'll be consequences to the stacking up of the traumas. Now, the other, the other interesting factor in that for me is that both people in a, if you're in a narcissistic abusive relationship, both partners, both both people in that dynamic have their own significant past traumas. I would, I often stated as well that narcissism is the same coin as codependency. It's just, you know, it is literally a coin toss as to which way, which way you end up. I know I ended up incredibly codependent. And I also know that codependency didn't really play that well into a narcissist dynamic because they just want more, don't they? If you're codependent and always giving, you're therefore always giving with a narcissist or rather they're always taking. Um, so then you, you balance and reason the initial abuse, say, with the outcomes, don't we? So if they've lost it, which they do, they're ah, your mask. It's just literally the mask falling down and them having the reaction of a toddler to anything that, you know, tweaks their emotion intelligence, which they do not have. And so we sort of, we might stare at them when they've lost it first time with one raised eyebrow. And because it's so, and it would have been, completely out of context, it's very easy to forgive them. But in that moment that they've lost it, they've laid some shit at our feet. I can tell you that for nothing. And you know it, you've been there. And it, and then, they, and it, so it's fight or flight, isn't it? You get an adrenaline spike, cortisol. You, you think, oh, this person, why are they doing this? And then you're in that stage and then they, they change. You might have lost it just then and be crying now because of the confusion, accent, anxiety, the gaslighting, you know, finger pointing, unnecessary smearing is doing to your psyche. And then they will just go, what's wrong with you? Come here, silly. Look, you're being silly. Come on, it's, it's fine, let's go to bed. This is what they're like. And this, so you never get to recover from that, those accusations, those fingers, even though it's all bullshit, or it should be, you never get to recover from it. You just go an adrenaline spike down to good stuff, adrenaline spike to good stuff, adrenaline spike to good stuff, adrenaline, blah, blah, blah. That in itself informs the trauma bond, as we've, as we've discussed and will continue to discuss. But also, that trauma bond in itself will very much lead to, or can very much lead to, complex post-traumatic stress disorder after the fact. So, as I say, it's just a, God, almost a 12-minute inane rant, but not a rant, but, you know, hope that made sense. But it's just a little, another nod towards CPTSD. And just to say that if you've come out, if you listen to this and you've come out of a narcissistic relationship and you're still struggling... Um, it's it's becoming more recognised CPSD, CPTSD, but it but it isn't. It is, but it isn't, shall we say? Um, so it's not necessarily mainstream as such yet. But good counsellor psychologists will understand it. So if you're having, if you're sat there and you're having, you know, let's say you're woken up one morning and you're and you've had a nightmare about the situation you're in with your narcissist, that can be one of two things. It can be your brain you know, the brain's filing system doing its thing and just working it out through its own acceptance. But it has to, you know, it's your brain. It still has to show you what it's doing in regard to that trauma. Um, so it could just be that. Could just It could be acceptance and just you moving through the stages of grief, perhaps, after the, fa after the fact, which is very similar to bereavement. Or if it's continual, then you might well have, and it's different, things so if it's continual and then it's focusing on your all your nightmares and flashbacks if you're having them are focusing on one event that's ptsd 
If your flashbacks and nightmares are going through cyclical events, so you're seeing one thing, then another, then they're all different, but all you know, born from the same experience, the same person, that then is complex PTSD. And it's just a lot to undo. So when I say that, I mean that in literally. So if it's one event, PTSD, it's very easy to do trauma-focused work and cognitive behavioral therapy and maybe EMDR, um, you know, eye movement desensitization therapy, which is generally removing your emotions from the from the construct of the experience. Um, it's healthy, but it really does work quite well. But when you've complex PTSD and there's many layers to the abuse, there's many different pages and pages and pages of different things they've done to you, that then becomes quite a specialist thing to, to see. And if you, well, I'll leave it here, but if you are experiencing repeated nightmares or flashbacks from, from what you experience with a narcissist, really now is the time to go and, go and seek um, professional help. And that is the best advice I can give you. The day I presented to my, my I was in that you know, work environment, so in, you know, all the doctors were my mates, so to speak, but the day I presented and said, I'm not well, I think I've got PTSD, was the, was the best thing I ever did in my life. Because whilst it took, whilst that one, one event um, leading to PTSD actually opened up the doors to many and it, it did become complex. And that's why then for me, it took six years of, of, um, of treatment, nearly six years of treatment. So be mindful of your own mind. If you're experiencing these flashbacks, nightmares, um, it, it's not, you can't endure that. You can't. It's unless it stops, of course, which is then just acceptance. But that's highly, highly, it is highly unlikely. And if you are enduring these repeated nightmares and flashbacks, memories and smells, sights, sounds and everything else with it, and it's as real as it was, then in the in the strongest terms possible, I would suggest that you, you, you go and seek pro help and it will help. Okay, CPTSD, we'll, we'll go back into that another time later on. There'll be another version, another version, another, another different sort of thought process towards CPTSD. But it kind of also explains why it's really hard to overcome narcissistic abuse because you, it is, isn't just one traumatic event from that narcissist. It is many, perhaps over years. So, I mean, some people are in 30 year marriages before they realize what a dickhead they are and how to get out and everything else. So there, CPTSD. Ooh. Um, drop a drop a note, drop a voicemail or a voice message if you like. If you've got any questions about CPTSD, if I can't answer them, I'll certainly be able to refer you on to somebody who can. Okay, quick jingle and then moving on to some memes. Hi, let's do some memes. Yeah, I'm just gonna read them out, obviously. I can't display them, can I? No, okay, so here we go. The best memes I've seen this week. Um, Narcissist rewrite history to escape accountability. You are not crazy. Cool. I like that. Why did the narcissist cross the road? It thought it was a boundary. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Why do people like to tell you they ran into your ex? Unless you ran into them with your car, I honestly don't care. <laughs> oh, I like this one. Here we go. Be so rooted in your being that nobody's absence or presence can disturb your inner peace. Lovely. 
Narcissists try to destroy your life with lies because theirs can be destroyed with the truth. Ain't that the truth? If someone treats you like crap, just remember that there's nothing... Oh, sorry, let me start that one again. If someone treats you like crap, just remember that there's something wrong with them, not you. Normal people don't go around destroying other human beings. This is true. It's better to break your own heart by leaving, rather than having that person break your heart every day you're with them. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that is true, isn't it? I'm also going to challenge the memes if they don't make sense, by the way. Oh, here we go. All narcissists are hypocrites. They pretend to have morals and values that they really don't possess. Behind closed doors, they lie, insult, criticise, disrespect and abuse. They can do and say whatever they want, but how dare you say something back to them or criticise them? They have a whole set of rules for others, but follow none of their own rules and practice nothing of what they preach. <laughs> That's so true. It's from Windows to the Soul. Yeah, and going back onto the CPTSD thing, here, here's a good meme. Just because a person doesn't put hands on you, that doesn't mean they aren't abusive. Abuse is control, blatant disrespect, and also hurtful words. Don't settle for emotional abuse thinking it's okay because it's not physical. But we do, don't we? Because they excuse it and we go, oh yeah, okay, just having a moment. You, they excuse it and you're like, yeah, fine, fine, fine. And then they do it again, excuse it again, and la di da di da Okay, someone who hates you normally hates you for one of three reasons. One, they either see you as a threat. Two, they hate themselves. Or three, they want to be you. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. Meme-erific. I don't know why I did that. I just Some memes came up on my, um, on my Quora feed, which is what this podcast is kind of all about. Um, and I, I kind of... You know, they, they, a lot of people don't necessarily pay homage to the memes, but they, there's strong messages in there. And this is the final one. Narcissists are seductive. They will be your best friend until they don't need you. And then they will ignore you. Or just simply turn on you. There we go. Memes. It's our three-minute trek into memes. Um, hard to do on a podcast. We can't actually show the pictures behind the words. Anyway, moving on. Quick jingle. And then we're going to take a look at other news. Be back. Hey, welcome back to other news. Hope this episode isn't dragging on too long for you. So in this segment, we're going to look at how you forgive yourself for cheating and hurting the people you love and who love you. How do you forgive yourself for cheating and hurting the people you love and who love you? Well, quite simply, I think you just got to accept you did something that critically you know is wrong. We can't change the past at all clearly, but we can use it to great effect to enact positive changes in the present and really for a brighter future. I've been cheated on, I know I have, and I've also cheated during my dark night of the soul past. So whilst this may sound self-serving, it's generally the only way. And as I see it, you have to own it to really get over it. If you've only hurt someone and they're emulating the pain from the indiscretion, then sure, yeah, try your hardest to somehow make that right. Make them aware even of how much pain you now know you reflectively caused them from your immaturity, perhaps. I mean, either way, it is your life. It's very much your own guilt and your own pleasures to make of what you will and to enact change from the experiences of both life-changing negative and positives to pursue healthy change as you see fit. But it won't happen if you harbour your own guilt. We're all human and we're absolutely allowed and 100% must make mistakes throughout our existence. 
The secret to learning from the experience is how we reflect on it. And yes, we're allowed to also feel sort of melancholy and a bit down about the fact, which is brilliantly a huge part of your own healing because you actually get what you did was wrong and carry the guilt of the act as a cross on your own well-worn back, no doubt. I mean, that was a cheap pun, I know, but I apologise really, but the fact remains, dear anonymous questioner to this question, that to err is very much human. But, critically, it's what we do about it after when we realise it was wrong that truly matters. It's also a good test of faith to realise what this love is. You had the balls to have sexy times with a hot Lothario in the moment, which is giving and taking and all sticky consuming with another who isn't your person, and yet ponder how to get over the pain of it all, moving slowly towards doing the right thing. Hmm. Just speak your truth. Own the pain you now have from it. If your partner or ex balls you out for it or has a meltdown, and I'm sorry, but they just aren't the one you think they are. And now, ultimately, your indiscretion really was, at that point, your intuition telling you all was not well in the dynamic, perhaps. But if you want to tell all and they listen and understand that you're in pain from the experience and have learned your lesson, then it could be game back on and tis love maybe. They may even surprise you and simply tell you that it's your past and your guilt to overcome, but they forgive you if that's what you're looking for. The pointy point is you just don't know what path may lead to your own healing as you're not trying anything other than harbouring your own guilt. I'll be black and white. You were quick enough to bounce ugly with some random but seemingly slow on the return serve to right in an obvious wrong, so just speak your truth perhaps. Other than that, accept what it is, that it is what it is. It's a moment in your timeline that was meant to be there for you to learn and enact the lessons from the experience, of which only you can decide. And if you do, then surely you'll be healing. Yeah. Does that make sense? How to forgive yourself for cheating and hurting people you love and who love you? Slowly. Moving on. We'll do one more. That was only three minutes. Okay, like, like I say, this other news section is really just random questions I get off Quora that, you know, I, uh, I get a lot of relationship questions, which I sort of accept that because it's, you know, it's a it's a start point, isn't it, of understanding narcissism, perhaps, with some of the questions. So, this isn't. This is a genuine, like, I'll read the question. I luckily get another chance with my girlfriend. It's the ex-girlfriend. I feel terrible about what happened between us, and I truly love her. How can I show her that I'm genuinely sorry for what happened, and that I truly love her? Okay, well, I'll throw this out there. How about saying something like, Hey, Karen. I feel terrible about what happened between us and I actually feel blessed to have this second chance. I just want you to know that I'm truly sorry for my part and I'll take this second chance to show my love for you by learning from my mistakes and living in the now with you. Easy as that, right? I mean, hopefully that resonates. This is basically and obviously your question. It's the question written in a different way. Please feel free to also objectively balance what, what you've done wrong versus her actions, if any. If you objectively know your part in it, oh, there you go, it's worthy of an apology. And yet you can also see she maybe had a part to play by removing all emotions from your objective look back and clearly don't lay it at her feet during your apology. But do be mindful if she simply lets you take all the blame as that's not at all healthy. And your apology would be better placed in some future cocker but with someone that's also balanced. In all eventualities, if you're in a situation like this, you just need to be honest and open and really expect the same. And if you don't get the same or control seems to be only going one way, say her way, 
then you would do well to reevaluate your dynamic in its entirety. Balance and love yourself first, as only then can you truly love another. You have to balance and love yourself first, as only then can you truly love another. If you don't or aren't, then you're only in this dynamic due to some latent or as yet unidentified codependent nature, and no matter what the apology or love you profess, the wheels will fall off time and time again until you're balanced and until you love yourself and respect yourself first and foremost. Anyway, I hope that helps. Love and respect yourself first. Um, and in that situation, maybe just consider flowers and maybe suck up enough to get that loving feeling back. Personally, I'd prefer the roots enabling love to come through, that, that of self-reflection and soul balance first, but flowers do work 99% of the time. Anyway, hope this helps somehow. I don't know why it would. But that's been episode nine. Yeah, episode nine, series one. We've got one more to do and then we're going into season two, which is a bit more a bit more constructed, shall we say, <laughs> um, going through sort of meeting them, dating, relationships, leaving, and then familial stuff afterwards. So it'll be more of a more of a construct in season two. One more of these name ones to do though in episode 10. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. If you're enjoying this, give us a like, give us a shout out, give us a share. Um, if you're getting anything from it, especially so. Um, I've been Nelly. This has been Narsol, the Lonely Monster, Narsol Escape Tools. Let's play us out, Neil.